Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. This interview was a bit of a fangirl moment for me. I've had a few of those in my conversations for this podcast because one of the guests I wrote about in my book, Stories That Stick, I remember hearing her founder story over and over and over again, how she beat the odds, how she just kept going and was so inspired that I think back to that story, if ever I get discouraged. Well, in this conversation, I didn't only get to talk to this legendary female entrepreneur, but also her partner, who is a legend in his own right. This conversation ranges all over the place, from founders, from business, to even relationships, especially in the strained time of a pandemic. I am so excited for you to hear these stories. Let's get to it. My guests today are Ali Webb and Adrian Kohler. Ali is a New York Times bestselling author and an entrepreneur. In 2010, she and her brother Michael co-founded Dry Bar, which has grown to become a salon chain with over 150 locations across the U.S., exploding into a nationally recognized and highly sought-after brand. Adrian is her executive coach and boyfriend. He himself, an entrepreneur, a leadership engagement expert, and the founder of the executive coaching firm Take New Ground. He guides others in the art and science of leadership to help them create new unprecedented results and experience fulfillment through their work. Together, Ali and Adrian host the podcast Raising the Bar, covering the stuff you wished entrepreneurs really talked about, the good, the bad, and the messy. Ali, Adrian, welcome to Success. We are so excited to hear your stories. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Now, we were just together not long ago for your podcast. I got to join you as a guest, which was a huge honor. And I thought it would be great to start there, the Raising the Bar podcast. What, what is it? Who is it for? Tell me a little bit about it. Well, it started a couple of years ago when my brother, Michael Landau, my business partner, and I started it because we were really trying to give back some like of the knowledge we've learned in the last 10 years, building and growing and scaling dry bar. Um, and we were getting approached and we still do, frankly, left and right from people who were like, Hey, can you give me a little bit of advice? Like, well, how'd you do this? What did you do about this? And blah, blah, blah. And so we felt like the podcast was like a nice, like, you know, generalized way to talk about all sorts of things that come up, came up for us in Drybar, and you know, at, over the course of interviewing people, and we did that together for almost two years. Mm. It was like, you know, the stories are are quite similar. We're like, you know, interviewing people, and like, you know, it usually is about raising money, customer service, like how they did it, like, and so all of that was was great. Um, but then, you know, Michael went off to have a baby, and you know, life <laughs> kind of got in the way. We kind of put it on pause for a little while, and then. When I met Adrian, and we'll tell you that whole story later, and you know he coaches and works with founders and CEOs, and we just, you know, I I kind of wanted to resurrect the podcast and got Adrian to co-host a couple episodes with me, 
prior to relaunching. Um, and it was just so fun to do it together. So we thought um, <laughs> it would be fun to, to relaunch it as this like still telling a lot of founder stories, but in a more like personal, you know, and intrusive meaning that in the best way possible. Exploratory. So that's kind of how the podcast has evolved. And then we also added this impact series, which was E. Jordan's idea to like highlight impact leaders, people who have started amazing foundations and charities and things who are giving back to the community. And, um, and then we also have that bugs us, which is on, which launches every Monday, which there's new one out today, which are very like customer service, service kind of centric Sometimes. sometimes. And like talking about, Really just that bugs us. It's evolving into like we love. Yeah. We have <laughs> like observations on life. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we're we're spending a lot of time on the raising the bar stuff. And and that's kind of in a nutshell what it is. Did I miss anything? That's great. What I so what add. are what are oh Adrian, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna I can add my lens. It's not necessary. I mean, I, I, that was perfect, but thanks, babe. Yeah. I mean, my my <laughs> lens, I I I tend to um I would say it's like, you know, the, maybe the the first iteration of the show is wonderful. And if mm -hmm. you guys, if your listeners haven't listened to it, there's so many wonderful episodes, which are kind of like, you know, the anatomy of building something. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really great. And yeah. part of our aim now is really to get the, the anatomy of building ourselves. Like how right. does building something really build us? And what are the internal unseen challenges that we all really feel on a regular basis, but feel alone in most of us, most people that are leading, feel alone in the process. It's lonely at the top. Like somebody said that a long time ago and everybody's like, yeah, that's what it is. Lonely at the top. Mm -hmm. So, but it doesn't need to be so lonely. Most of the loneliness, I think the effect of the loneliness is I'm alone and I shouldn't feel this way. I'm alone and I shouldn't be having these problems. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the aloneness in it that you know if we share each other's stories in a way that's compelling and normalizing it's like yeah. oh this is i'm alone but hold on I, this is how i am this is how i should be feeling this is what the, yes. the in the hero's journey he must go off on the quest right he yeah. must leave the home he must leave the village in order to take on the worthy calling so there's a there's a necessary aloneness i would say but we don't usually leaders type a people we're talking about type a people we you know those that are are more apt for action than reflection um, sometimes within the, in the, with the lack of reflection, it comes out, the energy comes out very sideways, like anger, like frustration, mm -hmm. like arrogance, like push, you know, pushing away. And it's because everybody just needs a hug. You know, it's like, we all just need to know, wait, we're doing okay. Life's really hard. It's complex. Yeah. So we try to explore those dynamics with those that are really willing and willing to share kind of the behind the scenes so that we all can be found in new ways. That's such an interesting, I'd never thought of that before, really. It isn't necessarily the aloneness that is the problem. Right. It is how you feel about the aloneness and that that the aloneness is wrong and how valuable it is. And that's actually, you know, part of what we do here is, is share some of these stories. Yeah. So that people are like, Oh wait, I thought it was going to look like this. And I felt like something was wrong when it actually felt like this, but actually everybody feels like that. And Ali, I wanted to ask you, like, I know clearly you are a founder yourself, um, incredible mm -hmm. accolades. What were some of the, like, can you remember maybe some of the behind the scenes founder feelings that you felt or some of those like feelings. 
but yeah, the founder feelings that's we'll trademark mm-hmm. that, that's <laughs> but, a big copy but like those, but like those, those feelings that from the outside, people maybe wouldn't know, but it's that internal struggle as you're growing a hugely successful business. Do you remember any of those points on your journey? Well, I think what, what, what comes to mind first is like the kind of like imposter syndrome kind of thing where you're like, you know, you're, you're expected or thought of to have all the answers, like to know what you're doing, to have it all figured out. And in my experience, like you do somewhat, but you, you know, you have a lot less figured out than more, you know? And I think that was like, that's, that brings like a certain intensity. And, you know, I, I can remember like so well people, you know, I was having like some sort of issue, whatever it was. And everyone kind of looking at me and me being like, why are you looking at me? I don't know, you know, but, (laughs) but like there was, I had to know, and I had to be the one that like made a decision, even if it was the wrong decision. And it was the wrong decision a lot of the time, but it was like, well, everyone's looking to you for, as this, like, you just know, you know, and I didn't know. And I learned on the job like everybody else and made mistakes and then learned from them, which was also really interesting looking forward because when we did eventually start to, when I did eventually started to concede like some power and give like, you know, responsibility to other people, which was also very hard and intense for me. Mm. Um, I remember feeling like if, if they, if I let, you know, whoever do this and they fuck it up, like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little like, you know, kind of all or nothing extremist type of person. Would you say that, babe? <laughs> um, and so my, I would worry that if, you know, if I handed this thing over and they f***ed it up and it didn't go well, like the whole business was going to like end. I mean, I really would like, I was so black and white like that for so long. And then I remember like through a lot of conversations with my brother and, you know, our CEO, John, and, you know, people being like, you know what, Ali, they're going to, they are going to make mistakes, but just like you learned, that's how they're going to learn. And then I was like, oh, right. They also have to make those mistakes and go through all the same kind of pain that I had to go through in order to like, to grow, you know, as, as leaders and themselves. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's so much learning that goes on and there's so many feelings and there's just so much around it. And, you know, a lot of my friends are founders too, and and we're all kind of in, in that same boat, I think. Yeah. Well, and that was actually, Adrian, I know that you do a lot of obviously executive coaching. Ali brought up this concept of imposter syndrome. I feel like I can't go a single day without hearing the phrase. Uh, People ask me to comment on imposter syndrome. And I'm like, when you figure it out, let me know, because I don't know. So Adrian, what do you, I want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome Um, from your experience. Like, what do you, what, what do you know about it? What do you see? Like people who are struggling with this, like, how do we, and then Ali, I want to hear, you know, are you on the other side of it? Does it ever go away? So I want to, let's talk about this big elephant in the room, this elephant imposter, if you will. Mm-hmm. My turn. Uh, the, I mean, my, well, good news, bad news. So <laughs> the bad news is, is we're, we all actually are imposters. Yeah. You know, and that's, that feels like the bad news that feels like I mean, for most of us, we've got this, I'll zoom out just for a second. There, so in the beginning, uh, whatever, the light, whatever, I forget when the date was, whenever Freud was at his peak, 
Freud's view is <laughs> this: beginning of in the, the beginning world. of time. <laughs> I, I just don't want to like pick a date and somebody say, "Oh, you didn't know the date." Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a fraud. I don't know my dates. So Freud said we are our history, right? Yeah, Freud said we are our history. That's what he came up with. Mm -hmm. We are our history, and that's a he really ruined a lot of people, like generations of people, with convincing us that we are our history. Only in this in the sense that it's then yeah. we're stuck with contending with our worst moments we're stuck with contending with our you know whatever happened back then now what's happening now is just a better version of that and now i can only play in the playground that that history allows a contemporary of his at the time that didn't get the ink that he did was adler adler said we're our purpose mm. and so but he he put he put language to this phenomenon that most of us in our process, this is Jungian philosophy or psychology as well, and I won't lose people with the nerddom here, but I think it's important, mm -hmm. is that as we're developing um, as human beings, there are huge fears that pop up for us, and there's themes of fears that pop up for us, and Adler called them our life lies. Like, what's the worst thing? Or He says it like this. What is the, the, the label, essentially? What's the label that I'm scared to death might be true of me? And so then I live my life not to be that. Mm. And everybody's got different ones, except for they're all, they all aren't too far off of one another, right? So my, one of mine is like, I'm too intense. No. Yes. So <laughs> I'm too intense. Now she says, I am intense. That's she jokes now. And I am intense. I'm an intense dude. And for a long time, here's why I bring it up. For a long time in my life, I was like, like the too philosophical one, too psychological one, too heavy, too whatever, too serious. I always got that growing up. You're too serious, man. Lighten up. Too, yeah. And so I live, I live, I live my life then trying to lighten up because I was of scared like of being too being intense. Who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or for me, you know, I'm one of my life lies that I'm dumb. I'm not smart enough to play ball at that elite level intellectually. Yeah. Now it's funny. That's funny because I, I was just sitting here thinking like you're so smart and like, do you think I'm smart enough? Like, I wonder if, like <laughs> what you think about me because I'm not like you are very like the fact that you can like rattle off what people from like a gajillion <laughs> years ago said and you remember their name. I was thinking, I don't remember what anybody said ever. Like, is that? <laughs> and did you notice that even though he could remember the names that you caught, he, you caught yourself, Adrian, because you couldn't remember the date. You were like, oh gosh, I'm going to get the date wrong. I'm going to get it. And like, that's I'm what you were worried about. And I'm yeah. like taking notes, like Adler, I thought he did shoot. Adler. Like I don't or like <laughs> furniture. Yeah, like I don't. <laughs> yeah, but, he quotes people all the time. But yeah, it, like you know, yeah. There it is, though, right? There it is. Like I'm hearing myself, and I'm 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 in a conversation with you, but I'm also in a conversation with myself mm -hmm. about myself. The fact that I don't know the date for whatever reason in that moment mm -hmm. it was significant. Like oh, I'm found out. I ought to know this date. That's such a rookie. I ought to, you know, blah, blah. Right. So there it is. Did you do it on purpose? Like no. you, we actually saw imposter syndrome as you were explaining imposter syndrome Real and time. that wasn't like scripted. That was Not incredible. Scripted. I've never, <laughs> but you can, you can see it. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking, whoa, for the first time, philosophy makes sense. Like, so, so let's, so let's revisit this for a second. Yeah. It was Freud. Freud, yeah. Sigmund Who Freud. said, we are our history, our history, which you said ruined a lot of people's lives. And I completely yeah. understand why. And then yeah. Adler, who said, we are actually our purpose. We're a purpose. Yeah, we're, we're, we are our why. Yeah. That's like mind blowing. And, and yeah. so simple, like to hear the thing that has been holding us back and that this is the thing 
you know, to lead us into our purpose. And yet still here we are with you, someone who knows what, who coaches people through imposter syndrome, I would imagine. And you still got stuck in your conversation with yourself about yourself. Well, and that's the best we can, I mean, this is a little bit of the point, like the best we can do is to notice our machinery. Mm -hmm. And if we notice it and know that our machinery, like our thinking, if we notice that our thinking isn't me, it's just what I happen to be thinking. Right. So the separation between the thoughts and the self. Sure. Exactly. Like, you know, even if I think I'm an, you know, even if I think I'm an imposter, like, so what? I mean, I am. Right there. Are, and here's, here's, I was saying good news, bad news. The bad news is we are our worst fears. It's true. Um, like if I'm scared that I'm dumb, I am dumber than somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, whatever that means, I'm just saying like, if, of course, I mean, I coach astrophysicists. I don't know what they're talking about when they use their language. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, but if I don't watch it, I am in a conversation about how dumb I think they think I am mm-hmm. the looking glass self. Mm-hmm. That Skinner talks about the the but the point is the Leonard Skinner 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 Leonard Skinner would be awesome. <laughs> I was like, is that a lyric I missed? Don't get him started don't... on music. Oh, no, we could talk about Skinner all day long. I I saw them live. Anyway, the um, what's the point? The, the bad news is is that our we probably are a lot of our fears. Mm-hmm. It, it occurs to us like bad news because we've spent so much of our time trying not to be that. And so, you know, if it's true, then I've wasted a lot of time, then I'm not who I think I am. Then other people might have more judgments of me than I think. There's like a handful of ideas Well, the good news is that it doesn't matter. I remember one, like things like when I'm on a list of some sort of like, even like now I get introduced a lot as like being um, on like Marie, which is also like a long time ago, but Marie Claire's like, 40 most fascinating women in America. It's like, well, I don't know if that's true, you know, or like on these lists that come out where I'm on these people alongside people that are like much more like renowned than I am, have done much more important things than I have. And I, and I look at the list and I'm like, I do feel almost like embarrassed. Like people are going to read this and roll their eyes and be like, it's not like she's whatever. So-and-so the people that are on this list, you know, but I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know what to do with that. I mean, I don't know if you and I have even really talked about that, but I feel like, well, here I am and I'm just going to be proud of it. And like, yeah. you know, it's like, what, it's like, do you share it? Do you then like repost it on Instagram because it was posted somewhere as if like, Hey, look at me. Or, you know, I usually tend to repost those things as like, I'm really humbled and honored to be on a list like this feels a little weird, but I'm going to yeah. go with it, you know, and yeah. you just kind of accept it. Um, and you know, on some level, some days I feel like, yeah, I should mm-hmm. be on that list. Mm-hmm. And then there's other days where I'm like, you know, feeling like oh, I haven't done anything really great recently. Like I shouldn't be on that list, you know? So that's my experience with imposter syndrome. You know, yeah, I, I think to your point about some people being smarter and some people being, you know, yeah. more, smart, more smart. Like, I think there are a lot of people, like when we had this guy that started Charity Water on our podcast, I felt like a lot of times when we have, especially when we have charity people, we had the founder right. of, or the CEO of Feeding America. And I was like, I felt like, oh man, I suck. Like I haven't done anything, you know, like, I, have, I should be doing more, you know, and I get that, like, you know, that Compare. feeling of comparison, I guess is probably, you know, anyways. Compare despair, they say. Well, it's, it's such a, again, uh, for everyone who's listening, this goes back to the 
aloneness and normalizing alone. Like it feels, it's good. It feels good to me to hear that. Actually, it feels good and bad to hear that for as, for as accomplished as you are. And Ali, you know, I've known you longer only from, you know, from afar. Right. But I think of all the different moments in my life that you've been in like you're like even my hair dryer like you were in my life my I had a I'm in your it, bathroom it, with you I know you were in my bathroom you were in like like all those different places where you have been in my life so it's it's reassuring to hear that you know that okay because I'll get down on myself for for feeling that way and yeah. think well I bet she doesn't feel that way so it's reassuring to hear that you feel that way it's also a little depressing because I would hope that when I if I become as successful as you that all of that will be behind me like I, I am tired of feeling that way it won't it's like really. it's up, up and down I mean there's some days that I feel contrary to everything I just said there's some days I'm like I'm a badass yeah like, can you believe what I did all the time. I feel like that too. I think that I actually think it's good to have the other stuff too. Mm-hmm. To keep, for me, I mean, it's funny because my, my whole career and you don't know this because you didn't like spend a lot of time around my brother, but my brother was always like, anytime anything would happen, like I'd like get something really great and I'd be on the cover of a magazine or whatever it was. And my brother would be like, make fun of me that day in some way, shape or form, because he, he was like, I just feel like it's my job to keep like your head on straight. Like, I don't want you to get too big for your bridges. But wait, would that have ever actually happened? Like, I'm like, I don't think anybody was, I put my own head on straight with all of that. Like, oh, look at, they're so much smarter than me. There are moments. I mean, if I'd be lying, if I said there weren't, you know, there are moments where like, I, you know, listen, I live a pretty, um, I would say entitled privileged life. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do, I just do, you know, and I feel like I, I work, I've worked really hard for what I have and I didn't, nothing was handed to me. You know, I didn't come from money. Like all of that's true. But now like, you know, people send me so much free shit all the time. And that's, yeah. you know, and that's like a little backwards. Cause like when you can't afford it, nobody does. And when you can, they do. So that's all <laughs> yeah, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there are things in my life that I'm like, you know, I get amazing opportunities and access to things that most people don't. And like that stuff feels pretty good, you know, and that is, so that's like, there are lots of things that are like, and I don't mean material things, but like the opportunity to meet certain people or talk to certain Mm -hmm. people or have, you know, certain people like on our podcast or like, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's when it feels like, oh yeah, I've done something really great. And that's when I feel really like empowered and love it, you know, but it's just, it's kind of, it's always like this, like, like anything else, you know? Well, again, that's, that's good to hear. Oh, one thing that did come to mind as you were mentioning, um, when you get celebrated or you're on one of those lists, like, do I reshare it? I think actually, this is my own personal opinion. I think you should always, because you know what, if for no other reason, I don't think we, uh, we celebrate ourselves enough. Mm, like I think yeah. we, and I think that's kind of part of the problem too, in some cases is like, we see a success or an honor or something. And we're like, uh, and we, we just move on from it because we don't let it sink in or celebrate it. And by sharing those, you're showing other people to celebrate them themselves too. I think we need, we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. So Adrian, let me, I I'm very curious about this because um, about your job as an executive coach. I read in the introduction, like you have worked with some really impressive individuals at some really impressive companies. When, I mean, 
you know, when all the rest of the kids were saying, I want to be a ballerina, I want to be a firefighter. Did you say, I want to be an executive coach? Like how, like, when did you first discover that this was a talent you had, that this was a, cause this is, you made this up, right? Like this is something you created for yourself. Do you remember one of those moments where you knew this was your path? That's interesting. Your last, your last statement about did I know some of those moments? I could probably find some. I, I didn't ever. I never said I want to be an executive coach, especially when I was a kid. I yeah, coaching wasn't even a thing yet. Right. But I did. I mean, so there were some contributing factors to it, in the sense that I'd, I'd been raised by two really great parents that were very altruistic by nature and givers by nature. They were like both school teachers for thirty-five years in this very yeah. small community. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, and so they were givers and contributors and in people of the people, right? Like everybody knows my parents in town and they taught I, for certain families. My, my parents have taught three generations. Like a, the wow. grand, they have kids young there. So that, this, this is the only way it works out. Yeah. But grand, grandma, <laughs> daughter and daughter. Like, so wow. anyway, legacy and making an impact in people's lives was like a little bit of the, the soil I grew up in. Um, so that's part of it, you know, being others focused. And then I grew up in a spiritual context, which is, I think at its best, very altruistic by nature and, and others focused. And that was really helpful. I think that's kind of invisible for me now, but like being of service, um, is like cool and chic, I think in the, in the last 10 years, um, at least we mm-hmm. talk about it now, even that, that, that term, like of service, like be of yep. service. Um, uh, you know, I kind of grew up around that. Like my parents were always doing stuff for other people. So, and my grandparents too, I, mean, I could go on and tell so many stories about this. Um, but you know, I was an athlete too. So I grew up around coaches. I grew up around some great coaches, grew up around some that needed some work, but you know, impact like, and, and there was a little bit of my own, I mean, a little bit of my own pain. I mean, I, I we were just talking two nights ago about what it's like, or I was just telling Allie, I really enjoy getting to know her two boys, which are 15 and 13, almost mm. 16 and 13. And, and she was like, why is that? <laughs> and I, well, I remember distinctly- <laughs> like, what do you like about it? Yeah. I remember distinctly being 13. And I remember what it was like for me. And I was just a troubled kid. I wasn't in trouble as much, not yet. Um, that would come <laughs> later in life. Yeah. But I was troubled in the sense that like, wanting to know how life worked. I was, I don't know, I was uh, worrying about or thinking about and worrying about that and being anxious about it and just how are we supposed to do this? How does this work? I mean, I'm talking to this girl, but I'm uncomfortable. Should I be uncomfortable? Is this what people, what do people say? What do people do? Or I would like, you know, watch a moment in time, maybe it's in the locker room or whatever, and watch the coach step up and like give like a killer speech. And I'm thinking, that was good, wasn't it, guys? I mean, that, I mean, look at him do that. Yeah. So I've always kind of been plagued by being an observer of life mm. as I was living. Um, there's lots of bad reasons that are ways that that can take away from being present. But I'd always been kind of watching life and, and from this kind of third camera I'd talk about. Mm. So, you know, but I, I never, there wasn't a time that I didn't like to lead as a person. I just was more comfortable leading than following. So that was part of it. Yeah. Um, And then as I grew up, as I moved into like the career, what should I be when I grew up? I never had an answer for that. I still don't really, I like doing this. Um, And some version of this, I will continue to articulate over time and it'll grow and, and it will expand in new things. But like being with, I found out like, so after college, I was a nurse. I was got a nursing degree in college. was like a pre-med guy. Didn't want to not be a doctor, but Mm -hmm. my, my, anyway, all these long story, but 
the, my roommate was a nurse. So I thought, oh, that's cool. I can travel the world. At that point, I want to go travel the world and the science worked for my head. And, yeah. um, but I didn't want to go be a nurse, but like as a career at all, not interested. But the being of a nurse was really interesting. And I, I loved it. And I was really good at it. Like being like the science side of it, solving problems, yeah. seeing complexity, noticing things, paying close attention, all that right. side, left brain side was yeah. great for me. And the yeah. right brain side of it, like connecting with people in the midst of crisis. I loved that. And mm -hmm. I realized my tone changes the room. My presence changes the room. That question changes the room. You know, that icon, anyway, all that kind of EQ or whatever you call it, that was all fascinating to me too. And I had a mentor that said, hey, the, you're really smart. The science is going to work for you. If you can master the art, you'll be the best we've got. And this was at a children's hospital in Chicago. Mm. A guy named Tom Chabnell. I could tell I was on the third floor standing outside of the elevators, getting ready to go up the elevator. And he told me that. And I thought, wow, okay. So um, anyway, but I, it's, I just kept wandering my way in. I mean, I didn't, I, I became a pastor after, after that season of my life. I worked at a church here in Los Angeles, mostly in like the human mobilization side of things, like helping people go make a difference, but there was yeah. at-risk youth, single moms, building for Habitat for Humanity, or, you know, Katrina happened, was on a team of 20 people that went and be in the rubble of that, or Haiti happened and took a team of eight doctors and paramedics and nurses, and, or P Pakistan's underwater, took a team over there, Africa. Anyway, being giving, helping people expand, live beyond their natural comfort, and then have the time of their lives, that's a fun game. So mm -hmm. I dug that for a good while. Um, so anyway, then I met a guy that had been doing coaching work. And his <laughs> yeah. name was Dan Tacchini. And I was on the brink of a new endeavor. Allie knows Dan Tacchini very well. He's amazing. I was on the realm of a new endeavor where a guy had come up to me and said, hey, I want to give away tens of millions of dollars. Would you help me do that? And I thought that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. So took him around the world to help find out what he cared about. And he ended up caring about giving people a second chance who had really blown it. We ended up working in the prison system. I'd met this guy who had been coaching executive since he literally started. His first company was called The Coaching Company. So he was around mm. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and but we, so we, he taught me how to do these leadership intervention stuff. Uh, in prison with lifers. So guys that had murdered someone or done something really bad. And it was compelling to me. And it was like, you know, if I was looking for part of my plague is I want, I want meaning and I want it to be potent as much as possible. And I want the deep end and I'll take it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I, I saw it as a tool, as a way to really help people change their own lives rapidly. Yeah. And for me, at least in this phase of my life, there's nothing, there's nothing more compelling for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of my own, you know, curse. I can't get away from that. Uh, and my biggest, you know, gift to others probably is to mm -hmm. help people find themselves in the midst of transition, in the midst of challenge. So that part's really fun. So championing others has always been a theme for me, advocating for others. I tell clients I'm their fierce advocate, which means I'm, I'm, I believe in you as much or more than you believe in yourself, but I don't care if you like me or not. So it's going to be a really weird relationship. <laughs> and uh, so advocacy has been a theme. So that's kind of a really long answer to spots where I saw it, it coming through. But, you know, it really, it, it keeps me on my toes and I'm my own first client. You know, it really yeah. gave me the tools to help manage myself and kind of take myself on as my own first project. So 
You know, I think the other thing that, you know, as you're talking about the different themes in there, and I love that. I, I, I love the, because I feel like so many people, we just, the, the path is winding and it isn't yeah. necessarily all up and down. It's just, it's over here. It's over here. It's over yep. here. You're like, oh, I was at this elevator and this guy told me this and this and this, and then, and then I met this guy and, and, you know, yeah. and you just go in these, but the other thing that you kept saying which I think is important. And I don't know if you realized you kept saying it, but it's an important thing to point out. You kept saying, and that sounded like fun. And that sounded like fun. <laughs> and that seemed fun. And yeah. that sounded like fun, which, no. you know, we hear, you know, there's there's all sorts of different thoughts about, you know, like do the thing that brings you joy or make sure you're having fun along the journey. But right there, we just saw your, and I'm sure there were a lot of other components in the process, but we saw that at least part of your decision-making had to do with, well, that sounds fun. Yeah. You know, like yeah. what a, what a great place to operate fun. Well, and can you from. imagine if like more people thought about things like that, like they're yeah. lived their life like that, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, Adrian and I are similar like that, where I feel like I jumped around a lot as in my twenties trying to figure out what I liked. I mean, I don't think I think of it as like having fun. It was just more like what was exciting mm -hmm. to me, which I guess is fun. Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to do that and don't be back to imposter syndrome. They think they should be living their life a certain way. So they can't like just jump careers. You know, I mean, I think most people would frown upon like, oh, you went to nursing school and that was like long and intense and expensive. Like you should be a nurse forever then. Right. As yeah. if that's like your one thing. And that's, you know, I think we're both kind of living examples of like, let's just keep trying new shit, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, makes life more exciting. Yeah. The, the pattern of the world is, you know, predictability mm -hmm. and like, what's just the next step. And for, you know, at least definitely for my story and for your story, like it's audacious to like give up the next step. Yeah. To create your own next step. Yeah. It's pretty risky. And most people frown on it. Yeah. And they frown on it because it doesn't make sense, number one, but also it's indicting, you know, because mm -hmm. if, hold on, you did that, you know, and I've been making up that I can't do that. And that's what justifies me staying where I'm at. Yeah. You know, so like the vitality always offends the, the mediocre. Well, and it's like, you know, I get asked to speak at colleges all the time, which I always find really interesting because I didn't go to college, <laughs> you know, I'm like, and I will yeah. say to them like big, like good, important schools, yeah. you know, whatever those are. And, the, and they'll ask me to come speak in their like entrepreneurship program. And, and I'm like, I, I will, but you know, I didn't go to college and I'm not going to like not tell people that, you know, yeah. and, and they're always like, no, no, it doesn't matter. Just come, you know, and I, you know, I'm usually the first words usually out of my mouth and I'm telling my story. It was like, I didn't go to college because I didn't like it. And I didn't think it was going to really help me that much, which I still believe, you know, which isn't, right. I mean, I think it's like whatever, but it is talking about imposter syndrome. I mean, I've been asked to do like things that like Harvard, I'm like, you guys, listen, will you give me a degree for just showing up for this? Yes. <laughs> then I'll go. It should be. It should be an honorary. But talk about imposter syndrome. Right. I mean, you're, you know, it's like, it's so intimidating and I've done it. I've sat in like, you know, big like auditoriums in these colleges. And I'm like, it's so weird that I'm speaking yeah. to college kids, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, but are you the imposter or is it... <laughs> something else entirely, you know, like our, is, I think the imposter yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, my college was like, you know, I moved to New York when I was 18 and I tried all these jobs and like Adrian, I jumped around and somebody would say something to me and I'd be like, oh, that looks like a cool job. I'm going to do that. You know, I mean, we both have a lot of that, like kind of 
you know, professional wanderlust, I think, yeah. you know, where you're just like, let's just keep trying new things. And we're both still doing that. Like Adrian was telling you in the beginning, we're exploring a lot of things like together mm-hmm. that really are, especially for me outside my, my realm of like what I know how to do. Right. Um, but, but we're still exploring it just cause it seems figure, fun. You figure it out. Exciting. Yeah. Well, well a, a phrase oh. that comes to mind, it just to, to cap that point is somebody told me, uh, his name was Roger. I was the, anyway. The, what was the you know, date? What Roger. was the date that Roger said? It was 18 months ago. It was on the second floor of 8,000 yeah. Sunset. Good. Roger told me this. Yeah. Roger said, you teach what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, as we talk about what, you know, we're doing now, which is essentially helping, like, uh, helping people learn how to deal with themselves and deal with the other person and deal with the natural complexity of making a relationship work. We've been doing all these IG lives so that we have pinned, you know, fight for love because we fight a lot mm. for the sake of love. Like, mm-hmm. for, like, let's get to it. What's in the way, mm-hmm. you know, what's me, what's you, what are we learning? How do we make this work? Um, not because we're experts, but because we're desperate. We want it to work. <laughs> yeah. You know? like yeah. Our, our desire is more important than our ego. So yeah. we'll, we'll give ourselves up in order to try to find the other person. And yeah. we, you know, we teach what we need to learn, mm-hmm. but we're actually just leading the discovery for ourselves. And then if people want to be part of that conversation, that's great. Oh, yeah. I love, well, that was actually a perfect segue to, well, I was, I was also thinking of saying, speaking of fun, so you work together. Uh, no, that isn't. It's kind of that. But let's let's talk about let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. As a, We're in a my, good one right now. Yeah, it's a yeah. good. Now, I, you guys, our listeners can't see the video. Nobody is hitting anybody. Like they're they're all snuggled up around the microphone right now. So so it's good. But being we and we were talking about this before um, we started recording. We're filming this right now sometime in December, all that really matters is it's late 2020. Um, And this has been, of course, this has been unprecedented times for all sorts of different reasons. But our conversation very briefly right beforehand was for couples and um, all different kinds of couples. I know my husband and I work together uh, and then everybody was sent home. We live, we're in Manhattan where there's four of us in an apartment. There's multiple businesses being run, multiple grades being taught like that. It is, it's intense. And even for people that don't work together, you're now working in each other's spaces. There's stress everywhere. So maybe, how about this? Maybe we take a step back um, because I want to talk about working together or the, the, your perspective on couples, but how did the two of you meet? Tell me that. You're a matchmaker. No way. I know. Really? Gets people. Like one yeah. of the ones in the airplane magazine? I don't know. There's don't one so. in the airplane no. mag. I haven't been on a plane in a long time, but I remember <laughs> I remember that. I don't, I don't think I've really, I don't think I've read many, many airplane magazines, but anyways, that's not the point. Um, we, so when raising the bar, we used to be raising the bar with Michael and I, one of the founders that was the founder of uh, this company called the three day rule. It's a matchmaking service. She came on the show and I had been divorced for almost a year when she came on the show and I had been using all the dating apps and I'd been meeting all the wrong guys and I was very frustrated. And she came on 
at a, you know, I had literally like just broken off something with a guy and I was so frustrated. I was like, I don't know how people meet people now. You know, I'm 40 something and, you know, I have kids, grown kids. I don't want any more kids. I want a really strong guy, but I don't want this, you know, pretty tall list of things that I want. And so Talia Goldstein, who's a founder of 3D World was like, you know, her story is pretty fascinating of how she did all this, but you know, long story short, she's like, you should use it. And by the time I heard her whole whole story and how much success she's had with this business, I was like, I should sign up for this. And so I did. And, and coincidentally, I had been, I had been approached because I was pretty public with my marriage and my divorce and all that. I had been approached by like, you know, matchmakers that you, the ones like you see on TV who charge, you know, like, a really like astonishing amount of money. And I was or like, like the oh, airplane I, magazine ones. Yeah, maybe those, <laughs> but I mean like more, more money than you could put right. And you're like, right. are you out of your mind? Like, even if I could afford that, no. Right. So anyway, I decided to not do that. But when I met Talia and the whole, the thing seemed relatively reasonable. I was like, okay. So I did it. Long story short, Adrian was my like third date that they, the third person they connected me to. And, you know, he was like, he was perfect. And for me, you were <laughs> for me there, that's good too, to say perfect for, for me. me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, then, you know, I, I could tell you the whole long story, but, um, but yeah, we met and, and it, we hit it off immediately. Oh, right away. It was like, it was pretty much love almost at first phone call. Well, our first phone call was like five hours long before we actually met in person. And we were pretty in after that call, Some... both of us. Wow. Yeah, pretty smitten. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember, so tell me the first time Adrian, you saw, like you saw each other then face to face, like your first official in-person date. Do you remember it? Where was it? Oh yeah. The date, yeah. You tell February me. 30. I'm just kidding. There's well, an October, October 18th was the first time we talked on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, right? Saturday, Saturday. And I was in New York and then San Francisco. I came back on like a Monday. Yeah, we talked and she just was leaving town that next day. She was always already sending me Taylor Swift songs in New York. <laughs> I um, sent him. We had the first five hour conversation and then we were texting a lot since then. And I was traveling and I was listening to, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. And I was listening this. to the song. He knows, I think he knows. And I was walking down, in, like my favorite thing to do is walk in New York yeah. with like music and not like, it's like you're in a movie. Why don't you sing right? it for us, sing it for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be um, after dark. That's the after dark. I was listening to the song and I, and it just like, and I think I was texting with you and I was really feeling it. And I sent him the song and he could have gone either way, but he, he loved it. Yeah. He thought I was crazy. Well, but you're the all, been, I knew you were the all in type. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so we, so anyway, she flew to New York to do a thing for Dry Bar and then flew to Portland, I think, or to San, San Francisco, Francisco, San Francisco yeah, to, to speak, speak at yeah. the, how I built this thing. And then she flew back into LA and I picked her up at the airport. So our first wow. date was picked her up at Burbank and then we went to dinner together. Wow. Which all my people were like, what? You're picking up at the airport? I'm like, hey man. I know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a statement to pick someone up from the airport. I don't know what it, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, that is a bold first. <laughs> thought that but you know it's like it's, it just yeah because be, our kids schedules and whatever I was yeah. like I'm coming home on like whatever Monday night I don't have my kids I'll have my kids the next day so yeah we can either meet tonight and have dinner I was getting in a like you know like a five o'clock flight or something it was like perfect date time or we can wait another couple of days and we really didn't want to wait another mm-hmm. couple yeah. days so it's perfect yeah. oh, I just love that just so what so what are you seeing now with um in particular this time for couples like what 
like for anyone who, I mean, this isn't a relationship podcast, but I feel like not yet, not yet, maybe starting today. Um, but it's, you know, success is a holistic, it's, it's a holistic thing. It's, it's everything. So, so what are you hearing right now? And any stories or thoughts for people that maybe this is still just a strained time? Yeah. Can we take a swing? Well, I mean, I think I'll let you pick it up. I think people are, you know, in, in, in obviously, like you said, you're, you're, we're all living on top of each other. We're all sharing internet. Have you noticed like your internet kind of sucks now too? Oh my because, gosh, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's like very, very intense. In our situation, we were like, yes, let's just like move things, you know, at warp speed because, you know, we're, we're kind of forced together and we liked, we liked it. Yeah. But I think for most people who've been together for like 10, 15, 20 years, they're like, this is too much. And you have to like kind of deal with things that you probably didn't have to deal with before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when like hitting the fan. When you agree? Yeah. Well, I think it's perfect that this is a part of but success. Yeah. Yeah. You the platform because I mean, else in my work, I'm always dealing with helping clients deal with professional issues, but professional issues are always personal issues. Mm-hmm. And person, you know, you know, how things are going at home always affects them and then how that affects them is always affecting how things happen at work now Mm -hmm. you used to be work and home happen in different environments so it seemed like they were separate but they weren't ever separate they were always you and you're holding all those when you're at work in the boardroom you were holding the concerns about if your wife likes you or not right or you know and when you're home you're dealing we know that one we're we're home we're with the kids putting the kids down we can't wait to get back to that email you know so that's easier to see now the environments have melded and so like the issues that used to, we used to be able to act like, we'll just deal with them separately. Now they're all congealed together. So I think that is troubling for folks, especially the sense that we don't know when, when or if this is ever going to go back, right? <laughs> like there's no real end in sight. If you're being honest with yourself, there's no yeah. real end in sight. Well, and we can't like plan for it. I that's mean, right. Yeah. It is, yeah. At some point I imagine, yes, but when is that? But we, yeah, knows. but we, there's, we don't have the, na- but also there used to be this accordion style, like, away and together and away and together, which is both relieving and, you know, compelling. It's like, you know, being away from someone, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Now there's no absence. It's just like, oh, you again? (laughs) Yeah, there's no growing fonder. You just have to have like a a state of fondness. A state of fondness. And to sustain it is, yeah, that... Uh, yeah. So, so these, yeah. So like the issue, the stuff that used to be so easily under the table now is start with the pressure. Anytime people are in crisis, their internal worlds become more external. Like yeah. it just can't not. So, I mean, I think those there's conversations that are dying to happen, which because most of us say we're not good at conflict. I'm saying quotes. I don't know if this will be people say, well, I'm not good at conflict, which is usually a great story that keeps me out of conflict mm-hmm. and lets me resent the, the other person and lets me be right by myself. And, and I, you know, and I lose love because I'd rather be right about how wrong the other person is. Right. But the, you know, because we don't know how to work through things. And usually the only solution is go buy a book, which is cool and go do that. But there's lots of great books out there. I can give you mm-hmm. list of 10, um, go buy a book or go to therapy mm-hmm. and therapy is interesting. And usually it can be really helpful. It's a distinct domain and how to approach issues. And really the quality of the therapy is the quality of the therapist. Right. So, well, and it goes back to what you were saying a long, long time ago on this podcast, which was like the past, you yeah. know, like the history. And my my 13 year, year old son even said something about that. Do you remember the other day, Kit said something like, 
your like your history doesn't matter. It's not real. It's not, it doesn't even, it's gone. It doesn't like, he said something pretty like profound and gentle. I was like, for 13. You know, the injury yeah. in too long, <laughs> you know, but it's, it is, it is interesting how much we, I, I think that's, that seems to be your gripe with therapy is that there's a lot of like focus on like, oh, this happened to me. So I'm this. Well, yeah. The, the, my only, my, not my only, but I would say my challenge with the therapeutic approach, and it's a little bit of the methodology itself. It's like people are, are having a hard time. Let's just say that. Uh, the two people are having a hard time and we've just decided we're going to talk about our issues on Tuesday night at 5 p.m. So from 6 p.m. on Tuesday, all the way until the next Tuesday, I'm just holding it in. Right. And that's the place we go. And we're talking about it for an hour which ends up becoming a dump session or becomes a how I feel about what's happening session, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. But most of the guys feel ostracized in that because they don't know how to play in that emotional domain as right. easily as the women do. Right. So guys. Right. Cause I'm thinking, well, well, yes, but it's also like, for me, it's like a cleansing or a clearing to be able to say what I think. But we talked right. about this the other night we did our live, how, you know, I actually, I, I do like therapy, but you know, but it is, I never thought about it the way Adrian positioned it which was like you do save up all your for that one hour and then you just come in guns blazing feel like an ambush and it's also like a really like quote-unquote safe place where i can now like unwrap you know i can just go crazy with all the things that are bothering me in this very safe space there's a therapist he's not going to be too mean to me because there's a person right there it's perfect you know (laughs) whereas like in our relationship because as you now know, he's pretty intense, right? Um, not too it, intense though, not, not like too, a good intense, just, but like yeah. you can imagine like nothing goes unsaid around here. Right, so we're talking right. about things. We do this like at the end of the night, we usually talk about all the things that happened in the day and he'll say things to me like, do you need to talk about anything? Is there anything that was like, is like bothering you or anything on your mind? And that, that act in and of itself, it's, it does feel like it kind of clears the day. Yeah. And we don't go like, we don't go to, like too long of time without like, clearing whatever is going on versus the, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to save up all my shit and all my resentment. I'm going to be real fucking mad walking into therapy, which is my experience in my marriage. You know, Mm. I'm pro I'm pro therapy. It just usually (laughs) isn't enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what our passion is about is like, because people are strained right now. Yeah. There's no way to avoid the strain. So yeah. Find tools to be in the strain and not, and not lose yourself. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to find yourself. Um, and we need tools for that. And yep. we don't get this tool. We don't, nobody teaches us this stuff. Right. You know, we, we usually inherit some pretty dysfunctional ways from our families of origin. And then we try to apply that stuff. Right. Um, and to sometimes helpful, sometimes not helpful. Right. Um, so helping people talk about it is like the first thing. And by the way, we're all struggling, you know, so normalizing yeah. the struggle is a part of it too. Yeah. So our heart goes out. We have so many friends that are, are separating now or divorcing now. And we just hope, I mean, we want love to win as much yeah. as possible. Not that every marriage should make it, but um, you know, people get to do whatever they want, but we, we want love to win as much as possible. So helping people have the tools to do it is part of our mission. So to tune into these lives, are they regularly? Where can people watch them if they're still happening once once this airs? Well, they- we're not, because of our crazy custody schedules, they're not, it's hard to do, to do anything the same day every week, but we do, we do announce them before they're going. Great. If you follow us on Instagram, it's pretty easy. And then we always save it and it lives on our feed. So right now you could go, the, the live we're referring to is on both of our feeds right now. So you can go watch it. Perfect. Not live, but then we announce when we're doing it. And we'll probably do one 
in the yeah. next day or two. Again. Yeah, but we're, we're, we are considering putting together due to the conversations we're in, putting together like a more of a more formal, like online yeah. uh, webinar, interactive conversation uh, yeah. in, in the month to come, months to come. So we, well, we just think look forward. Yeah, people are wanting and needing, even, no matter where you are and where you are in a relationship, you could always... Yeah. Why not think about how to enhance it? Why not and we think have, about it? I feel like I have my my viewership or list following on Instagram is mostly women. And it's usually women who are talking about like, man, I wish my husband was hearing Adrian right now, you know, talk yeah. about this. And so we think there's something there for sure. We're just trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are, there. there's also as a result of all this pressure, there's an openness to it too. I mean, something's yeah, got to give. We some we've, you know, there has to be progress somewhere. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, next great question as we wrap up, where can we find both of you? Of course, we have uh, Raising the Bar, the podcast that is found wherever podcasts are listened to. Uh, Adrian, where can we find you on yeah, you social? Can, uh, yeah, you can find me, adrian.k. Uh, on Instagram. Adrian.k on Instagram. And we've got our podcast together. I've got for folks interested in the executive coaching stuff, we've got our other podcast called the Naked Leadership Podcast. Great. And we put out three episodes a week for that. That's where awesome. we talk about these issues and founders issues and, and corporate challenges and all the dynamic stuff. So you can check that out too. Love that. And Allie, where do we find you? Just Allie Webb on Instagram, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B. Perfect. Well, Ali, Adrian, thank you so much for this conversation. No, knowing like having been together just like a couple weeks ago chatting with you, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun, but I wasn't expecting so many, so many um, like philosophical thoughts. I'm not a huge quote person, but like these, you know, we are history versus we are our purpose. Like this was and there's no, a he's really got great. a lot of little nuggets. <laughs> and I met a lot. guy. I met a guy. Like, that's another one. I love it. I love it. Hey, by the way, for those listening and want to get a hold of the other stuff, this great book called The Courage to Be Disliked. Yeah, it's a great Ooh. book. Is oh, a really, it's a really, it's a survey on Adlerian uh, psychology. So if you don't know anything about Adler and want to hear more about that. It's also field. a good listen. I listened to it on, on yeah. uh, whatever. It's really great. Yeah. It's sold a like lot of, 5 million copies in Japan. Wow. Um, All right, you two. Thank you so much for good sharing. Good to be with you. Thank for having you. us. Yeah. Bye. bye. All right, bye. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at kindrahall.com or on Instagram at kindrahall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time.